Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. I know the term spiritual energy is going to throw a lot of people, so let's start off by getting clear on what I mean here. When I'm talking about spiritual energy, I'm not talking about anything religious here. I'm simply referring to the idea that you can have an energy reserve that you can tap into when you're doing something that matters, and specifically something that matters to you. This doesn't have to be some higher calling type of idea. One way I think about digging into this energy reserve is when I'm doing something like weightlifting. As I get to the end of my set, I can find myself flagging. I can feel like I'm not going to be able to push the bar those three more inches I need it to go to rack it. And yet I can have my spotter tell me, you've got this. And my brain hears that and I push just a little bit harder and I finish out. Where did that energy reserve come from? As far as I was concerned, I was already pushing as hard as I could. And yet with just a few words, I was able to find that motivation to push just a little bit harder. Access to the human spirit isn't just limited to physical endeavors, though. Our motivation to dip into this energy source often comes from doing meaningful work. Many people don't recognize meaning and purpose as potential sources of energy, but when we're doing work that aligns with our values, we are able to accomplish so much more. Today, we are going to be looking at three areas that we can use to access our spiritual energy, living our core values, doing the work that we do best and enjoy most, and allocating time and energy in our lives for the things we deem most important. If you'd like to follow along with the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash spiritual energy. I've got spirit. Yes, I do. How about you keep on listening to find out how you can too. All right, we're going to get into this by looking at the why of our spiritual energy by defining our values. And when we're talking about our values, it's important to understand both what our values are and why they're important. Identifying our values is critical because once we know what our values are, we can use that to define what we think is actually important. And we actually need to spend time thinking about our values because I'm sure I'd catch many of you flat-footed if I simply asked, what are your values? And that's because that question just doesn't dig deep enough and often gives predictable answers. We know what our values should be, but is that what we actually value? And let's get our brain juices going here by just thinking of a few examples people might give of their values, like frugality, reliability, loyalty, open-mindedness, efficiency. But let's also be clear here that just because you have one of those values doesn't necessarily make it a better value than other values, because you can have values at both ends of the spectrum. You have people that value tradition, and you have people that value trying new things. Both those are legitimate values to have, and that's why it's critical we define these things, because that's how we define what's important to us. And on top of that, values can be flexible. Let's say you are generally a very frugal person, but at the same time you love to spend money on your friends. You can be both generous and frugal at the same time. Context matters here. And so we're going to look at trying to drop these values into three different buckets. We've got our character values, and these are the values you need to exist as a good human. Think of things like honesty, kindness, generosity. And we've got work values, and these are values that are going to serve you while you're doing your work. Think of things like a growth mindset, or perseverance, or being a hard worker. And finally, we have our personal values. These define what you want to get out of life and what you think will make you happy. Think about things like family life, health, or even popularity. So let's get to work on defining your values. And as I said before, questions like, what are your values, aren't that useful here. So let's try taking a different approach. Let's ask, what are the qualities that you find most off-putting when you see them in others? And we want to go with this question because when we state what we won't put up with, we're also revealing what we do stand for. 
So let's say you hate it when someone can't let go of a grudge. Then one of your values is probably forgiveness. Or if you can't stand it when someone's lying, then one of your values might be honesty. And of course, we do have to consider context here again. Not every instance where someone offends you is going to signal your value. We have to look for patterns here. Sure, you got offended when that guy cut you off in traffic, but is patience really one of your values if in most other circumstances you look for the quickest fix every time? So go through a few of these examples for this exercise, and let's try and drop a few values into each of our buckets there, the character, work, and personal, and work on identifying the values we do hold. And I think it's important to mention here that we don't really actually want to try and rank our values here, even though that's going to be tempting, because when we've got a list, we kind of like to rank things. And that's because our values tend to be flexible and context-based. For example, while I value being a hard worker and completing all my work on time, does that take precedence over my value of spending time with my family? Well, it depends on the situation. I'm not always going to get things done on time. That's kind of the nature of ADHD. So it's something I have to work on. But I'm also not going to spend 100% of my time with my family either. I hold both values. If it's something important for my family, of course they come first. But there are also going to be times that I miss things with my family because I'm working. And that's not saying that my work is more important than my family. That's saying that context matters. And if you drill down with how working helps provide for my family, it gets even more complicated. But we don't need to get into those hypotheticals. All I'm saying here is ranking values is far more complicated than looks and doesn't really get you much. What's more important is just knowing what your values actually are. All right, we've got the why of our spiritual energy, so let's go into the what. Our values are only one piece of our spiritual energy. They don't really define what we actually want to do. And so we want to find the work that we do best and that we enjoy the most. And this is going to be the meat of our spiritual energy here, figuring out what our passion is. And so before I get too far off, let's make sure that we understand passion is a pretty loaded term. So first off, I don't believe in any predestination. There is nothing I am specifically meant to do. There's no higher calling that I have to find. My passion is just that, what I'm passionate about doing. And this means that my passion could change. In fact, I'm going to go from could to absolutely will change at some point. When I was in high school, I was absolutely obsessed with playing Magic the Gathering. But now in my life, it only comes up when I have to move that giant box of cards in my garage. And if you'd asked me in high school if podcasting would be a passion of mine, well, even after explaining what podcasting was, I'd probably have said no. I mean, seriously, who wants to hear my voice? Oh, you guys do. Hey, thanks for listening. Point is, I know what my passion is right now, but I don't know what it is going to be in five years. And this can be tricky with ADHD because it's easy to mistake obsessively interested in with passion as we go from one fancy to another. One of the reasons I've said I'll probably never get a tattoo is that I rarely have something that's my main focus for more than five years. Another point to understand about passion is that at some point or another, every job has its parts that suck. There's no job that you are going to enjoy 24-7. Even with my love doing podcasting stuff, there are times that it's a grind to get going on what I want to do. There are times I don't want to write. There are times where I don't want to be editing the audio. And so when we find our passion, we have to remember that, hey, things suck sometimes. We often also have this preconceived notion of what success is, and that can make it hard to do the work we enjoy because we know we could be more successful doing something else. I'm good with computers. Like in high school, a friend and I got a bunch of old Macs from our school so that we could work on trying to put together our own Beowulf supercluster. Yeah, I'm that kind of nerdy. And also for those of you wondering, we never got it working. But that was a project I had a ton of fun working on. Anyways, the point is that when I was going into college, 
I was pretty sure I was going to get some sort of job in computer science. But apparently, I hate doing most of the stuff that you do in computer science classes. I learned a ton of it, but man, the stuff they teach you in school is so boring, I'd rather scoop my eyeballs out with melon ballers. Regardless, the point is I didn't go into computer science. But you know what? If I did, I'd probably be making a lot more money right now. But making more money wouldn't make me more successful. I think I'm pretty successful as is. I get to make my own hours. I get to spend a ton of time with my family. And most of all, I get to work on something that I love doing and also something that I think brings value to the world. And so here's where our values need to come in. We can work on defining what success is by looking at what our values are. And then once we're working on with what we actually believe success is, we can get going on our passion. And so our next step here comes back to this idea that our job is going to suck at some point. And so our question becomes, what are the most unpleasant things you're willing to put up with while working? Because this isn't always about finding what you love most. It's also about finding what you're going to really stick with. Like, for example, with my family, I love my kids, but they can be pretty awful sometimes. They yell and scream and make messes. And, oh, cleaning those poopy diapers is pretty miserable, too. But you know what? I also don't mind. I may not have completely known what I was signing up for, but it's the price I'm willing to pay for my family. And let's go with this idea. What's the poopy diaper of your dream job? Is it filling out boring spreadsheets? Is it working long hours? What are those tasks you have to do, but you can at least put up with? For me, it's often writer's block. Just sitting at the screen and not knowing what to write is an awful feeling, but I'm willing to go through the crap that comes with writing and staring at the blank page because I love writing that much, and being able to do that gives me a huge advantage. That's right, your poopy diaper is an advantage. Someone who's not willing to clean it up isn't going to be able to stick with the job like you are. So find your poopy diaper and love it. And now, after that beautiful wordsmithing, we want to look at the other side and look at what makes you love what you're doing. Try and think of at least two work experiences from the last few months where you found yourself in the sweet spot. That is, feeling effective, effortlessly absorbed, inspired, and fulfilled. We want to feel like we're good at what we're doing. This doesn't mean that our work isn't hard, but we want to feel like we've got a handle on things. Feeling effective at what we do is a great indicator that we're doing something that we care about. We also want our work to be engaging. It doesn't matter how good we are at something if we keep glancing at the clock to figure out when we can take our next break. And I want to be clear here, I'm not talking about hyperfocus. I'm just talking about being regularly engaged and focused on what we're doing. And finally, we want our work to feel like it means something. Are we bringing value to the world? Or maybe just our community? If we feel like our work is pointless, it's hard to find the passion there. And to be sure, there will be parts of any job that might feel pointless. Forms that you have to fill out for the third time or attending meetings that you don't really need to be at. And so with all that, we can finally ask, well, what do we want to do? And I know this isn't an easy question to answer, but once you're doing work that aligns with what you do best and you enjoy most, you'll find it much easier to access your spiritual energy. Now that we've got the what and why of our spiritual energy, we're going to look at the how. And that's by scheduling our time and energy in our lives for the things we deem most important. Yes, this is easier said than done. So for this section, we need to have done all the work in the what and the why. If we aren't clear what's most important for us, then how are we actually going to schedule it? So let's break out our calendars here and ask a few questions. How much time do you have scheduled for the things that matter most to you? How much time do you have scheduled for things that matter to other people? It's easy for us to let other people's priorities become our own when we don't actually know what our priorities are. We need to know that what and why. And then we should be looking at how our schedule aligns with our values. Sure, calendars aren't going to reflect things like honesty, 
well, hopefully you don't have something that reflects dishonesty on your calendar anyways, but say one of your values is community service. We're going to want to see that reflected on your schedule. And this means that we've got to get better about making sure we're scheduling those important things in our calendar. And to be sure here, we also don't want our calendars just to become a black hole of good intentions. Scheduling time for what matters only works if you are following through with those intentions. This might mean getting some accountability, or it might just mean you're ready to go when you have things scheduled. It's much easier to go for that 7 a.m. run if you have all your stuff ready to go. If you're at the closet and you can only find your left shoe at 6.55, I don't think you're going to be getting out the door. And let's also remember the point of the series. If you can, you want to schedule those most important tasks when you have the energy to do them. I know that at 4 to 6 p.m., I'm wearing pretty ragged. I'm not going to be able to get myself to do things that require a lot of upfront energy, but I might be able to get myself to do something that I can ease into. And then also think about scheduling your most important things for early in the day. And this can also transfer on to the rest of your scheduling. Schedule your important things for early in the week, early in the month, or even early in the year. And we want to be scheduling these early things because in our minds, we tend to prioritize what comes first. And we can take advantage of this by making the things that are actually important come first. And there's also the fact that when we're planning, we tend to be optimists. We don't think of everything else that's going to get piled up on our calendars. If we carve out the time for our important stuff first, then we're able to say things like, no, I can't do the school bake sale. I already have something planned then, or something to that effect, I guess. And of course, if we do miss our target for whatever reason, when they're scheduled early in our day, we're more likely to be able to make it up. And I'm sure many of you are saying, I just don't have time to do that. And I'm not trying to say that scheduling time for yourself is easy. I know that when I first started using my calendar, I felt like there was no time on it and that scheduling time for myself just wasn't going to happen. And I know we're not going to be able to dictate our entire calendars. So some things to consider here is that you don't have to try and do everything all at once. We can start off just by scheduling one thing. Remember, we can do anything with our time. We just can't do everything. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a rundown of today's top tips. One, there are three areas we need to focus on for our spiritual energy. Living our values, working with our passion, and scheduling time for those things that matter most to us. Two, spend your time exploring your values by asking yourself what you can't stand. When you define what you won't put up with, it often helps you define what you do stand for. Three, work on finding what you are passionate about by defining what you are willing to put up with. Further refine your passion by finding your work sweet spot by finding where you are effective, effortlessly absorbed, inspired, and fulfilled. Four, use your calendar to schedule your most important work. Follow your energy patterns and try to schedule the most important tasks for early in the day. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD. Or you can connect with me over at HackingYourADHD.com slash contact. You can go to the show notes page at HackingYourADHD.com slash spiritual energy. If you're this far into the end of the show, you might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. I also do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com events. And now for your moment of dad. Where did the college-age vampire like to shop? Forever 21.